Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance His kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. Most of you realize that church is not the normal church that we've had. You know, everything has changed uh, in the course of a week. Uh, You know, there's been changes, there's been adjustments. Uh, The news is continually changing, but one thing remains, and one thing that we can remain confident in is that the Lord is good, that He's worthy to be praised. He's good every season of our life, but His promises for His children and His children's children are always good. He commands blessing over us. So today as I focus, jumping right into the message, the focus entitled today is The Church, So Now What?, you know, as the church, we have to decide how to navigate, how to work through this, this, this season of change, of difference. So as a church, we have to realize that our response during times of difficulty and instability uh, in our country, we have to, with the widespread of the virus, leaders are leading in a capacity that they've never led in. Pastors are having to lead a congregation through a a change, you know, of communicating via social media, technology, all of these things are rapidly changing. But I know that in all of this, God is going to work out good things for us. He's going to show us great things. He's going to cause us as churches to get more advanced, ways to be able to stream, ways to be able to communicate to more groups of people than maybe that just come through the doors of our church. Okay, so in this season, it's difficult, you know, um, the church is, you know, is, is a community, but we're, we're being absent of physical fellowship. And for those who are community-driven or fellowship-driven, that's something that's going to be a challenge. I know our church, one of our favorite moments are when we greet each other, when we come together, when we hug one another's necks. And being absent from that, it's a little awkward. You know, we're not receiving that. But I can be confident of this, guys. If we can survive as a church and we can function in a community and fellowship through social media, through phone calls, through emails, through communicating to each other, if we can establish some type of community and unity in amongst this season, when we gather back together as the church corporately, we're going to be stronger. We're going to be, it's going to even be a greater response from his people. So let's look at John 16, 32, and then we're going to jump to verse 33. Verse 32, it says, But a time is coming and has now come when you will be scattered each to his own home. So, so think of just that phrase. That's where every single one of us are at this morning. We have, been, we have been separated from each other, and to each one is scattered to his own home. And this was in reference to Jesus, you know, when he, when he would be crucified and these times would come, there would be a scattering. But our condition as the church has responded the same way. And in verse 33, this is the hope and the promise that we have. It says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. That's something that we have to realize that God knows, uh, he sees the whole picture. You know, he sees, he sees the end from the very beginning. He knows what this is going to look like. He knows the outcome of what this is going to look like. But he says that you may have peace. Today, if you don't have peace in your life, ask God to release that peace to you. It is something that he gives to those who ask. The peace of the Lord that surpasses understanding. It says that that peace has the ability to guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. 
So he has told us these things that we may be confident in him. Just because each of us are scattered to our home does not mean that we have to be, be hopeless, but our hope can be in who Christ is. If we look at Proverbs 1, 28 through 33, I'm going to read this whole passage starting in verse 28. It says, Then they will call to me, but I will not answer. They will look for me, but they will not find me. Since they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord, since they would not accept my advice and, and spurred, which, spurred my rebuke, which means paid a t- not attention to, they did not pay attention to his rebuke, they will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes. Verse 32, and it says, The waywardness of the simple will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. And in verse 33, this is where everything begins to shift. But it says, but whoever listens to me, whoever listens to God, whoever focuses, who inclines their ear to him, this is what it says, but whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. And this is the hope and the promise for those whose hope is in Christ. That we are safe, that we can be at ease. Now, I don't know if any of you can say, I am at ease sitting at home with your family, sitting at home with your children as everything's chaotic around you, where where the school structure has changed, where maybe some of you in the workplace are at home, working from home. The whole dynamic has shifted. And you say, Pastor Noe, I don't understand how you say be at ease. But this is a commandment of the Lord. He says, you shall live in safety and you shall be at ease. So this morning, I just speak ease and peace over you each of you in your homes, and without fear of harm. Those who follow Christ, there is no fear of harm. Not saying that we're not wise or that we don't pay attention to what's going on or we don't pay attention to the officials, the governors, the president, but we as the children of God have a promise and a hope that will declare to us that we will have no harm and we do not have to fear so for those who live by faith today, it can, you know, who have no faith today, it can be scary times. But God offers the opportunity to turn to him and to seek him. Maybe you've never done that, but I want to let you know that you can do that today. And before this message is over, I'm going to give you an opportunity to seek the Lord's face, to seek his heart, to just uh, to draw your heart to him. I'm going to look at a passage in Joel chapter 2. Joel chapter 2. And, and, and the topic, it says, rend your heart. We're going to look at Joel chapter 2, verses 12 through 14, and then we're going to jump down and look at verses 28 through 32. So when we start in verse 12 of chapter 2 of Joel, it says, Even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your hearts, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Verse 13, rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow in anger and abounding in love. And he relents from sending calamity. In verse 14, it says, Who knows? He may turn and have pity and leave behind a blessing, grain offerings and drink offerings for the Lord your God. You know, so perhaps if, if we focus on him, if we shift our attention to him, that he will, he will send a blessing to us. And then there's a bunch of passages in there that where the Lord responds to them and he says he'll begin to take care of them. I'd encourage you when you have time, read through that whole uh, chapter two of Joel. It is just super powerful, but it just talks about, you know, to not be afraid, O land, be glad, rejoice. You know, don't be afraid of animals. Don't be afraid of all of these things. It just really shifts to where it, it, it explains that God has it under control. How many of you this morning know that God is still on the throne? that he has the ability to hold all of these things together when we lose it. But he is faithful and he is just and he is right. 
So he's, he has the ability to take care of us when we respond accordingly. And it says that after he does all of these things, if we look at verse 28, it says, And afterwards I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. You know, it talks about all of these things. In verse, we'll jump down to verse 32, and it says, And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there will be deliverance, as the Lord has said, among the survivors whom the Lord calls. So we see in this passage that God is saying, man, turn your hearts to me. And then when we do that, when we, when we focus on him, he begins to pour out blessing. He, he begins to release protection. He, he begins to just show us how mightily he is. And then he begins to send out his spirit within us. So when we look at this promises in Joel, it is just something that, uh, that is super beneficial in these times because we need the spirit of God being poured out to us in a powerful way. We need to have the ability to discern the Spirit of God. We need to have dreams. We need to have people that prophesy. We need to have people that give direction in a directionless moment in, in society. Yes, we trust our leaders, the ones that God has placed in those positions, and we submit to that authority, but the people of God must hear the Spirit of God and understand what the Spirit of God is saying in this season and in this time. Now, I know these next few weeks, they're going to look a lot different as we balance home life Modified work structures maybe, and even church gatherings may possibly look different, and they're even looking different this morning. But for faithful church attenders, you know, the, the thought of not gathering together, I know it's going to affect us. You know, it is just something that is different. And I, I want you to know that this morning we don't make decisions in meeting or not meeting out of fear. But the, one of the main things that led us to make this decision was in honor of our, of our Matagorda County judge and our, our mayor of the city, this, is what, this, this was in their hearts. I said, you know, I called him personally. I said, what do you want us to do? And he said, we don't want you gathering together. We don't want you meeting just to really kind of taper this epidemic. But at the moment that we feel the Lord redirecting us back to gathering together and God willing, they release us to do so, man, we will do that. And I'm sure we will be so excited about that. I know that one of the first passages of Scripture that get quoted to me the moment that I begin to talk about canceling corporate gatherings is Hebrew 10, Hebrews 10, 25. It says, let us not give up meeting together as some of you are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. So we have to understand that this is the expectation when the safety and health of all people to, ga to, gather, to gather together is okay. You know, when, when you're, it's not safe and it's, it puts people at risk, you know, that, that's when we make decisions to change the way we gather. So I'm saying, you know, we have to understand, you know, what the body of Christ really is all about. The body of Christ is never, has never really been about a building, but it's where we gather together corporately. Now, I know that gathering together corporately is just as important as meeting together in small groups and having intimacy and fellowship and, and encouraging each other. But what I'm talking about, guys, is, you know, this decision is being made because of a different situation Okay, you know, so just remember as leaders in the community, as church leaders making decisions that affect people's lives, be reminded that this is an extremely difficult task. I went back and forth. Should we have it? Should we not have it? Should we go against the flow? Should we do it anyway? Will God's protection and provision be made available? Absolutely. But he's also called us to respond and to respect the government authorities in our lives. 
So there was all of these balances, you know, and then we met together as elders and we felt this was the best decision at this moment for the life of Harvest Time Church. And I know a lot of churches are continuing to, to do streamcast. And um, if some of you are still having church, I encourage you to continually be led by the Spirit of God. I'm not being judgmental of what you decide to do, but let each man, each church be led by the Spirit of God in regards to what they're going to do in response to this. Um, you know, I am confident of one thing today, that our approach and our perspective of the church has to shift a, shift a little bit during this time, this difficult time. So first and foremost, I want to remind you guys, the church is not the building. What makes the church is the people. And for me, that's one of the hardest things because I am a people person. I love giving hugs. I love giving handshakes. I am a people person. So this is a challenge for me also. But we have to understand that, you know, uh, it's, it's all about the people of God gathering with one heart, with one mind, and one purpose, is seeking the Lord together. The awesome thing about technology, it gives us the ability and the opportunity to do that. I'm hoping in your homes that you're gathered around your, your small phone or you're, you're gathered around your laptop. And, you know, if you have the way to do it, man, put it on your big screen where you're actually are, are engaging and being a part of this, um, that we all together meet so the second promise, one thing that we have to look at also is that the promise of God says, where two or more are gathered together in my name, there I am amongst them. Now, I know this passage is talking about discipline. It's talking about when you discipline and when you make a decision that, that you know, if two of you gather together and pray, there I am among you. Now, if God is going to be with you when two of you gather in regards to discipline, how much more do you think he will gather with you when you join together on behalf of glorifying his name, of asking him to just inhabit your praises? Because that is scriptural, that he will inhabit the praises of his children. How many does it take? According to that scripture, it gives us a certain number where two or three come together. So when, when, you're, when you're at your home and I'm here at the same time, uh, we're, we're, we're worshiping together. We're sharing the word together. That was one reason why we felt it was super important to stream live cast rather than pre-recording. We want to be worshiping when you worship. That helps kind of keep that oneness, that unity. We want you to be, be uh, listening to the message with us as, as it's preached live. Now, we'll keep it up for a little while for those that maybe got a late start or didn't join early enough, and maybe you missed the first half. But our ultimate goal is to start it at 1030, and when the service is over, the service is over, then we can go about our days just like keeping some normality to how we do it on Sunday mornings. Um, but when we gather together, two or three or more, there I am among them, Matthew eighteen twenty. So just because we adjust how we do church for a short, short time does not mean that the power that is present in the people of God is removed. You have to understand that just because we are separated doesn't mean that we're powerless. The Spirit of God lives inside of each of us, and as long as we stay united in spirit and we allow God to be involved in our lives, we will continue to see the power of God released within each of us. So the, the Spirit of God lives in each of us and will supply us the power, the hope, the perseverance, and the guidance in regards to what the days ahead look like. I cannot reiterate enough to you guys this morning that, man, we have to be led by the Spirit of God. We have to say, God, what do I do in regard to this? What do I do in regards to these decisions? And I, and I promise you that He will be faithful as we seek His face. I know that I'm, that, that I'm confident in who God is, not my own ability, and that has to be each of our own focus, that we focus on who God is. We focus on His ability to be strong, even when we're weak. 
So there was, a, there was a movie that I watched on Disney+. Plus. I don't know how many of you have the subscription, but you can be free to go watch it if you want. But the movie is called The Finest Hour. So this is about a man in the Coast Guard who is asked to go out and, and search for a wrecked ship that, that was wrecked in a storm. So give you a little bit of background on this story. So in this story, it was a horrific storm. You know, everybody even said, if you go out now and you go on this, because it was a smaller boat, the rescue boat, and they said, if you go out... It is utter death. You, you're not going to make it. But he followed, the, the, the lead person was Bernie Weber. And he said, he said, Captain, if you want me to go, I'm going to go. And so he petitioned his friends and he got four or five of them that said, hey, we need at least five to go. And some of them you saw shy away, but some said, hey, that's what I signed up for. When it's bad, I'm going to go. So we see that, you know, they recruited these men, you know, but what these men were doing in reality were signing up for utter doom. It looked hopeless, it looked unachievable, but they were determined to be obedient to their commander, to the person that was, that was leading them and what to do. So they go out in this storm, they make it past the, past the initial uh, entryway, and it's, it's rough, they make it, and then they, as they are journeying out, they lose their compass. Now, if you've ever, I know today we have our smartphones, it's our navigational tool, could you get somewhere where you don't know where you're going without that tool? More than likely not. So they lost their compass, and it just so happened that they came up on the wrecked ship. So as they get up on that wrecked ship, they start getting all the guys. They load it up. They overload the boat. Everybody gets in the ship, and they said, man, how did you find us? And they mentioned, well, I lost my compass. And then one of them says, well, he responds, I guess I was just lucky. So finding the boat was one problem, but they still had to make it home. They still had to make it back to the shoreline. And there's wind, there's rain, it's dark, you can't see. And it seems like a utterly hopeless position. And then the, everybody aboard that ship, they look at Bernie and they say, hey, our life is in your hands, sail on. So he just begins to go and you see in that, in that moment that as, as he's steering, you know, going back and forth, really doesn't know where he's going. There's one moment in that movie where he just begins to close his eyes and he begins to navigate a little left, to navigate a little right. And he's been in this storm. It's freezing cold weather. His, 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 his mouth is chattering. His lips are blue. He's tired. He's exhausted. And then he opens his eyes and he begins to see light on the shoreline. Now you say, man, is this just luck? Some people may call it luck. I believe that it was a divine intervention on behalf of them in an unimaginable storm. In a, when, the, when, the, when the deck was stacked against him, when it seemed like all hope was lost, there was hope found. So in his response, I guess I just got lucky. I think there was more to it than that. Today, we have something so much more powerful in our lives, and that's the Spirit of God that lives inside of each of us, that is that compass, that is that guide, that'll give us direction in what we should do and which way we should go, when we should stop, when we should go, that lives right inside of us. So in focusing on what should the church look like right now, most of us may be looking at the negative things right now. I mean, I know... You know, if, if you don't have any toilet paper in the house right now and you need to go find some, that is a negative thing. It, you, are, you, are, you are looking at the negative, but we can survive without toilet paper. 
That doesn't mean that it's going to be comfortable, but we can do it, right? You know, so looking at the negative. But I believe that in this season, God doesn't want us to just focus on the negative. God wants us to look at the things that he wants to show us through this season. We have to understand that God is speaking in amongst the storm, that he's guiding us, that he's leading us by his spirit, that he is showing us things that the world cannot see because they're spiritually discerned. But for those who have a relationship with Christ, they can discern these things by the spirit. They can walk in the peace and presence of God and they can know that it is going to be okay. So we as the church, we have to focus and be involved more maybe in, in family concepts more than we ever have, okay? Some of our jobs may be in limbo. And, and, you know, the state's decisions, you know, being made for us, you know, we have to understand that those are in the safety and the health of the country. But God is causing us, this is looking at the positive things, God is causing us to focus on things that we should have been focusing on all along. So I'm going to give you four things we're going to look at uh, this morning that that I really believe God is focusing, focusing our attention on. How many of you know that all of the things, all of the gods, all of the things that were so important to us that really distracted us or kept us super busy are being removed? Said every man who loves sports. You know, the women maybe not so much, but I know that men are like, man, what do I do on Sunday evenings? You know, what do I do having to work from home? The whole dynamic is changing. So we're going to look at four things, and I'm going, to sh- I'm going to tell you what they are, and then we're going to focus on those just a little bit. First and foremost, our faith is being tested. That's something in this season that God is really, he's, he's, he's strengthening our faith. Secondly, he's, he's causing our families to come in focus. That family concept is shifting. Also, we're going to have a chance to, to apply faithfulness. You know, faithfulness is a little bit different than faith, but we're going to look at what faithfulness really is. And then fellowship. How do we still have fellowship amongst this transition time and just this different season? So faith. So in Hebrews, the definition of faith is now being confident of what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So I know today, guys, if you listen to the news, if you listen to what everybody's saying, social media, and and we don't allow our faith to be in God, we are going to be in a very scary, rough place. But faith is it's seeing what we don't see right now. It's knowing in our spirit that God has it under control. It's when God speaks to us and gives us clarity or direction that, that all of a sudden everything changes. And he shows us what to do. So in, in, a time like, in a time like this, you know, faith is either seen or lost. You see people blaming God. You see people clinging to God. You see faith, you know, faith is being tried. We don't really know what our faith looks like until it is challenged. The moment we're at home, the moment that the, you, you're not able to be in a corporate fellowship where I can sit here after the service and say, hey, how are you really doing? And then you can share your heart to me and then I can encourage you. You know, some of those dynamics are going to change, but I believe our faith and our confidence has to be in God and God alone. That's what's going to get us through. So God desires all of us to have faith that arises and prevails in times of testing. That's what God wants. He wants our faith to thrive. He doesn't want our faith to fail. We look at the life of the disciples. We saw that, you know, when, when it was crucifixion time, they were scattered. That's, that was that scripture I referenced early. It says they were scattered and they all went to their own homes. There was fear. There was things that happened where their faith was tested. But at some point they came to their senses and they believed what God said was true. And they remembered what he said and they began to apply it to their life. They applied that faith and it began to catapult them forward to being all that God has called them to. 
So faith. So the family. So families, if they don't kill each other first, they're learning how families should function. Now, for some of you who work a lot or, you know, like I said, all these sports things, you can't, you don't have that outlet. You cannot sit there and veg anymore. Not saying you can't stream Netflix or there's not different things you can do, but all of these distractions, husbands, you know, I'll speak to you directly. You are having to be involved in the family concept. And for families that really allow mom to do everything, that's a hard shift. But I think God is wanting to bring the focus of what does family life look like? What is the husband's role? What is the wife's role? What is the children's role? What does it mean when we don't have anything to do? We can't go to Houston. We can't go out to eat. And we sit at a table awkward looking across from each other and don't know what to do because we're so comfortable to just having a quick meal, leaving and going about our own business. But we have our children, we have our wives, we have our husbands across the table from us, and it will take moments to just encourage each other or share what the goodness that God has done in our lives. And we will really connect as a family. Those will be things that will just make us stronger as we go forward. So we'll, we'll continue to focus on family, figuring out what a healthy, connected family should look like. I know some of you would say, I have a complete dysfunctional family but I believe that God will give you grace to work it out and to learn what the family concept should look like. Don't just hold your breath, guys, and wait for everything to get back to normal. I believe that the things that God is focusing, causing us to focus on now need to be forever a part of who we are going forward. It shouldn't be once everything's back to normal, okay, we push our family to the side. Hey, let's watch the ball game. Let's watch sports. Let's watch NBA. All of these things that were our outlets, fathers, but let's be involved in the lives of our kiddos. Let's turn off the TV. Let's, let's, let's love on our kids. Let's have conversation, Right? You know, just don't text them in the other room. Say, hey, come in here. Put, leave your phone in your bedroom. Let's talk for a little while. You're like, man, this is awkward stuff. But how did we get to that place where the family dynamic was so messed up that there's such disconnect with even uh, within those living in the same roof, under the same roof? Because that concept of learning what family life looks like when we gather together back as the church corporately, all of those things will strengthen us and help us. So faithfulness. So God is looking for a church that remains faithful in amongst this difficult time. So, so what can we do as a church? How can we respond? What can we do? Uh, man, join the, the, the live cast, streamcast as we, as we post those. Be a part of the service, you know, comment on this, man, amen, great song, you know, and, you know, even today as we were posting it, we saw comments, we saw people join. We were super encouraged about the number of people that connected. We have to use the avenues that we have available to connect with each other because corporate gathering right now at this moment is not available. What's something else we can do? We can serve one another. Look for opportunities to help those. I know we have some older individuals in the church, uh, maybe not older, but more seasoned. Let me put that in a way that, that you like. But, you know, man, if we can help you, if we can go to the grocery store, if we can serve you, if we can help you in any way, let's do that. Let's be the church. You know, I know a lot of people are looking for opportunities to serve, but even amongst our church that we check on each other. You know, usually we can get a poll on Sunday and say, oh, so-and-so wasn't here, this person hasn't been here, and we can reach out. But right now, because no one is here, we don't know how everyone's doing. So let's reach out. Let's make phone calls. Let's, let's call each other. Let's make sure that, that we are striving to create a relational baseline that I really think is, is also supplemental to what God's heartbeat of the church is. Also, one, one of the things, faithfulness, let's keep our eyes on Christ. You know, don't just look at the news. Don't just trust in your own provision. 
Everything is up in the air right now. Everything is utter chaos around us. So, you know, our faithfulness is going to be that we keep our eyes fixed on Christ. You know, it's just like Peter walking on the water. As long as he kept his eyes fixed on Christ, he began to walk on the water. But the moment he looked away from those and he looked at the, the storm and he looked at the wind and he looked at the waves and it says he began to sink. And what were Jesus' words? He said, ye of little faith. So we have to have faithfulness in who Christ is. We have to keep our eyes fixed on him, the author and perfecter of our faith, that he will do what he says he'll do, that all of his promises, well, we'll see those things come out in our lives. What's something else that we can do? I know for me, it seems like I have more time available. I don't know if it's because I'm not wasting time going out to eat, getting to the restaurant, eating, coming home, but we've been cooking a lot at the house. So it seems like I have extra time and, you know, I think during this, this time where we feel like we have more time in our schedule, man, maybe pray more. Maybe read the book that you've been wanting to read that you just haven't had a chance to read. You know, phone a friend. You know, take this, this season and don't just ice the brain is what I call it. You know, being on social media or watching CNN nonstop, you know, just turn it off. If you listen to it in the morning, it's maybe going to be kind of the same thing, but it might get worse. It might get better. That's the extent of what I've been hearing. But get in the Word of God, read a book, phone a friend, encourage each other. Look how we can be, you know, faithful. I'm hoping that during this time, our faithfulness and our relationship with the Lord grows. And those who don't know Him have the opportunity to come to know Him in a new way. So work on keeping your relationship with the Lord strong and understand that in that, it will strengthen every other relationship in your life. Your relationship with the Lord is going to be strong, especially if you're going to get along with family for a long period of time. I know some of the jobs are changing. Some people are getting sent home. Some are worried about finances, trusting that God will be faithful. So you be faithful and he'll be faithful. I know the U.S. has always been known for comfort and security, but when that doesn't happen, then our trust has to fully rely on who God is. There's nothing else that all, all the securities are gone. I thank God we have electricity. I thank God we have water. It can always be worse, guys. So I think it's counting your blessings, being faithful, trusting in the Lord. Even when we don't see that he's moving, understand that he's always moving behind the scenes and he's working out things for our good. And the last one, fellowship. So in looking at fellowship, the word community is a feeling of fellowship with others as a result of sharing common attitudes, interests, and goals. So for individuals who've been connected to the church, life, uh, not connecting physically as the family of God is going to be super, super difficult. But I find it very interesting at the beginning of this year that I really encouraged the church, Harvest Time Church, that I believe that God was leading us to a time of where we would learn to build community outside the four walls of the church. Now, guys, we got the opportunity to just do that because we're not having the opportunity to meet corporately. So can we build relationship and community outside the four walls of the church? It's going, to ha it's going to require us to be a lot more intentional. It's going to make, it, make sure that we are checking up on people. You know, uh, the pastors and the elders, we'll try to do the best we can. But as church members, I encourage you, if you think of somebody, if you have somebody on your heart, reach out to them. Send them a note. Send them a text. Say, hey, I was thinking about you. Give them a call. You don't have anything to do if you're just sitting at the house anyway. Talk a little bit. Okay? Connect with people. So I know that God is desiring for us to build community 
through the avenues that, you know, through the technology, through the, you know, ways that he's allowed us to. And I'm so thankful for him. So let's strive to keep fellowship at the forefront of our minds. How do we remain in relationship? When you think about, man, I really miss that guy. Hey, I wish I could reach out, try to do that. So focusing on faith, family, faithfulness, and fellowship are really keys to this time of really focusing in, allowing God to work in those areas to change the way we think. So this morning in closing, if you do not have a relationship with the Lord and you say, no, Pastor Noe, I am scared out of my mind, or, you know, maybe, maybe you haven't lived a life, uh, maybe you haven't lived for God fully, and you're concerned that how you've lived your life up to this point is going to affect God's response. Well, this morning, God says, man, if you turn to me, if you call on me, I will answer you. I will rescue you right where you're at. And I think it's, it's one of those things that all it, all it takes is a response of turning back to God. Like that prodigal son, it says that I came to my senses and I figured out it was better in my father's home than anywhere else or anything else I could do on my own. So this morning, if, if you don't have a relationship with the Lord and you desire to do so, all you have to do is surrender. You believe in Jesus Christ, that he died on the cross for your sins, that he was dead and he was buried, and now he sits at the right hand of God. It's surrendering your heart. It's surrendering your mind. It's saying, Lord, take me as I am. I'm messed up. I got a lot of issues in my life. But God, I, I can no longer trust in myself. Lord, come into my heart. I know I'm a sinner. Forgive me. Save me. I'm yours. And when you do that, everything begins to change. So I'm just going to pray over you as we close, and I'm just going to believe that today, if you've made that prayer, if that's something you're wanting to do in your life, today that the Spirit of God would just arrest you and change your life, that your life would never be the same. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. I thank you for your presence that lives inside of each of us. So Father, today we, we just do focus on who you are. We thank you for your goodness to us, that you're faithful throughout the ages. For those who don't know you and have just come into a relationship with you, I pray that that relationship would be sweet and that they would just sense a presence and a peace in their life like they never have. Father, I pray that we would continually be the church that you've called us to be. Father, that we would be the church inside the four walls of the church and outside the four walls of the church. Father, as, as we conclude today, Father, I speak a supernatural blessing over all your people that you'd bless them physically, spiritually, and emotionally. Father, ways they know about and ways they don't. Father, I thank you for their relationship in my life, but also I know their relationship with you matters. So, Father, I think as the church this morning, Father, I just, in agreement, ask that this virus would just begin to die and go to the pit of hell where it belongs in Jesus' name. And, Father, that we would begin to see healing and restoration happen. But, Father, I pray that our hearts this morning would be turned to you that our eyes would be fixed on you. And Father, that we would find ourselves drawing ourselves to you more than we ever have. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen. You guys be blessed today. Love on someone, encourage someone. And thank you for joining us today. You guys be blessed. We'll see you guys next week. We'll give you guys updates every week as far as the details going on, but I'd encourage you to check out our website, uh, www.harvesttimebasecity.com. There'll be links to our Facebook page, our Instagram pages. We're going to try to upload the, the, the sermon there also. If you missed maybe some of the beginning, uh, it'll also be on Facebook Live. We're just going to work through this next week. Um, to, to try to polish some things. If there's some things that worked really, really well for you, please let us know. If there's things that didn't really work real well and you feel like we can do better, hey, we'll take it with grace and we'll tr- we, we really desire to do the best we can. So we love you guys. Be blessed. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.